You're tuned into this interview series for the 23rd edition of the Mutech Festival this year of 2022, the result of a fruitful collaboration with Eastern Bloc. I am Malta Leander, and for this episode of the series, we are diving into the XR projects part of the immersive collection produced especially for this year's festival. So here I am with the project manager for Mutech and production manager of the collection itself, Lola Baraldi. Thank you for meeting with me. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so from what I gather, this brand new project coming from Mutech uh, stands very much in the crossroads of some of the areas that the festivals is known to explore in the forefront of audiovisual performance and creative expression often pushing new and innovative technologies. Mm -hmm. Could you give us a short breakdown as to what the immersive collection is? Yeah, absolutely. So Mutech has been involved in the XR field for a while, surveying developments in the field, bringing people together to, from the field to have conversations about where the industry is going, um, notably you know, creative XR or independent XR creations. Um, and during the pandemic, when a lot of artists were forced to rethink how they, their modes of performance, how they distributed their art, how they monetized their art as well, um, Mutech had a similar reflection and wanted to kind of embark on in a more practical way in this new field. So we are uh, making our beginnings as a producer um, and a publisher of virtual reality content uh, with the first iteration of the Immersive Collection. Um, so the Immersive Collection presents three works um, that are adapted from live performances that have been shown by Mutech in the past. Um, so we have Lynn Cachot, who is presenting Immortel, um, that was presented at the festival in 2018 and that she's toured uh, with since. We have Chloe Alexander-Thompson and Matthew Edwards, also goes by Aesthetic Stalemate, who are presenting an iteration of their project called Moiré. So they're um, they've developed a, a, a VR experience called House of Moray, and France Jobin and Marcus Heckman are presenting Entanglement um, that they also showed at Mutech in the past. Sounds like a good roster. Yeah, it's a really good, diverse roster. We're very excited to work with them, and it's been a mutual experimentation for us and for them. So the collection is made available in, in different forms, presented both as as a spatially immersive experience that could be enjoyed um, during festivals as this one, at galleries or exhibition spaces, but also to be made available on, on game clients and distribution platforms. Can you speak a bit about what interested you to explore this combination of fields? Yeah, so we really wanted to explore like what is the potential for creative, independent um, content on platforms that are more native to game type contents and that are more native to gamer audiences and what is the you know monetization and distribution potential for artists to create contents for these platforms as we've seen a wave of increase in headset purchases um, notably during the pandemic um, so it's an experience for us to it's interesting to us because the value of the contents that usually go on these platforms is very much determined by the codes um, and the functionalities of the gaming market. And 
we're trying to approach this from you know, a completely different standpoint where these are more 10 to 15, more so contemplative, minimally interactive, if interactive at all, artworks that really provide uh, an artistic uh, escapist experience. Um, so it's, we're quite curious about what the reception will be, um, but it's also, it's, this is also coming on the heels of a lot of more narrative, creative, storytelling type content that we're seeing more and more published on these platforms and that we're seeing more and more appetite and affinity towards. I think that that sounds like a super interesting sort of, yeah, having feet in different, dipping toes in different areas or like an interesting combination and merging of, of fields. Mm -hmm. So we're getting immersive and we're getting <laughs> interactive and it sounds like also that the selection of, of the three artworks, part of the collection adds up to quite the rich variety of, of content and topics and expressions. What made these three original audiovisual performances stand out in particular in order to be included in the immersive collection or worthwhile experimenting with in this sort of new merging of fields that you just mentioned? So, Mutek puts a lot of value on accompanying artists through different iterations of technology and developments of technology and kind of accompanying them, but also pushing them to experiment um, more and more. That's one of the reasons why we have a lot of returning artists that come back to the festival or lots of artists who develop live sets specifically for the festival. Um, so the artists on this project, we had a close relationship. We had a trusting relationship with all of them and we trust, we, we, Ourselves were curious about where the, their potential would lead them in really adapting to this, these new tools of creation, this new medium of creation, this new format, and this new market. Um, so I think they all, I think they're all very divergent, but they all represent a really uh, a different and strong facet of the Mutech universe. We'll now jump into a discussion with two of the artists part of the immersive collection. With me, I have France Jobin, audio and installation artist, composer that has navigated musical and visual elements, often inspired by architecture of physical spaces, tracing all the way back to the mid 90s. And for this year's edition, presenting the world premiere of the piece Entanglement, produced in collaboration with Marcus Heckman. And tuning in from a distance, unfortunately, um, but not so unfortunately, having Lynn Catshaw present, Montreal composer and audiovisual artist that explores demonstrations of kinetic matters in her work, going deep into motion, forces, and gestures. As part of this immersive collection, her work Immortel, originally performed in 2018, has now undergone a rework for this year's edition. So welcome to the both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, so Lynn, I'm, I'm curious to uh, hear about your experiences with this particular process, uh, reformatting and adapting an already existing artwork and performance to now be able to live um, in a new space, moving from quote unquote, just audiovisual to now virtual reality. Um, yeah, could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I could definitely talk a lot about that because it's 
it was it was a challenge. Um, I guess that I, I was kind of expecting, but um, you definitely have to think differently than from you know projecting on a two D screen. Um, all of a sudden, things can come from everywhere. And you know, as you mentioned, I do like to work with the kinetics and like just you know representing gestures. And so, so that was a great chance for me to apply that on a, a 3D scale or something that would be more um, obvious, you know, to the to the spectator. And and also one of the interesting aspects was to also be able to create that like in, in, uh, Intimacy. Uh, I'm not finding the yeah yeah intimacy. Sorry yeah. So just to be able to find the intimacy, you know, you're one on one basically with with the person. So there's kind of like this cocoon that that creates. So I took those elements like as important points to work around. You know, that would allow me to adapt the piece, um, which you know is again I'm, uh, was a challenge because also I'm not using the same tools and so not being able to replicate the same effects and the same types of like finishes on the visual matter. But it also allows me to do something new and different. So, so that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to, to explore that, you know, how do you adapt a piece and how do you switch like from such a different medium? Sure. I mean, no, that's always a sort of double edged sword of, of pros and cons of, of yeah. trying out new stuff and, and new tools. Um, and so France, in, in your piece, Entanglement, you're exploring this concept deriving from quantum physics and, and yes. quantum physics theory. And for someone that does not perhaps entirely see these linkages to an audiovisual performance, could you give us a bit more of, a, of an explanation how these relate to your work? Uh, yes, essentially my work has been influenced by science since 2008 and uh, the pandemic, uh, I'm going to give you the condensed version of this. So the pandemic afforded me the time to study and go in deep, which I've never been able to do. Mm. And so for two years, I studied one particular phenomenon, which is entanglement, which is really fascinating. And um, from those studies and a mentor that I had who's... Um, who helped me through the, the, the process of learning and everything and shaping also, because when you start studying physics, you, with no background, you have no idea where you're going. So you need someone to tell you, okay, come back, come back. And um, so from those studies, uh, there were four, two theories and, and, and two other elements that really stuck to me. So the main prevalent theories of entanglement are Copenhagen interpretation and multiverse. I'm not going to go into details, but those are the two main uh, theories. Another thing that really fascinated me about quantum physics was the fluidity of time does not exist in physics, which is a huge problem for me because I work with music. So how do I interpret that within a medium that is based on time? So, uh, and then the last part of it, which is uh, decoherence. And so, um, I contacted Marcus because I'd worked with Marcus before and uh, once I finished the studies I put this out essentially to Marcus and asked him if he would like to collaborate on this. So we went on this uh, little adventure of interpreting these theories and working within those four ideas to create the piece which we presented at MUTEC last year.
Mm. And the um, VR um, version is quite interesting on many levels because uh, one of the first books that I read was David Deutsch, The Fabric of Reality, and there's a whole paragraph on VR. So uh, it's interesting to think of working with concepts of quantum physics where you are actually, one example I can give you is that we're all interacting with quantum fields, we just don't see them. So you transpose that to VR and you're in this environment, you're by yourself, it's very similar in a weird way. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of parallels that we could um, explore and elaborate. But as um, Lynn mentioned, the uh, tools which wish we had to work were a big surprise. <laughs> and so uh, trying to transpose a work with a new tool was certainly interesting and challenging in all good ways, although there may have been a couple of frustrating weekends. <laughs> but um, we uh, worked on the piece for about six months, realizing that uh, for Marcus, Unreal was not the tool for him to work with. So he went back to Touch Designer because of that problematic of uh, that Lynn mentioned is to transpose a visual into another, with another tool into another medium. But because of his, his visual is so precise and detailed, there was nothing that he could come to that was decent in terms of results. Yeah, I know working with, with these new softwares must be just one, one hurdle um, in the step in the process of, of sort of going into new territory. And from what I understand, I mean, diving into Unreal Engine and Unity was something new for, for the both of you, uh, which, you know, is a feat in itself, I, I think. Um, Lynn, what was perhaps, would you say, the the biggest obstacle in the process of doing this type of work, of dealing with these new workflows or, um, yeah, grab, grabbing new tools that you weren't familiar with, yet trying to adapt this, this previous artwork of yours? Yeah, well, I, I guess what was the, the hardest to accept, you know, as a, a, a downgrade, I guess, is, is the quality, the visual quality that um, not that necessarily the program allows, but that, you know, the headsets or at least the most uh, affordable headsets would allow. And so you need to make a lot of compromise compared to if I'm working with like a, a fixed image. And so that, that was hard to, uh, you know, I was, I guess, fighting with myself along the way because I didn't want to let go too much of that. And also, I'm in the the 2D version. I'm using like um, this type of a feedback process with some effects that creates like this really beautiful motion or you know visual kind of like the pouring techniques uh, of the impressionists, but or the expressionists. But um, but but it's super consuming, you know. I like on the I mean, the computer requirements so I had to find ways to still use it but not exactly how I wanted to so you have to make compromises and it's really like a, a battle of the mind I would say you know that I was always going back and forth and saying okay well you know I could do this but then I'd come back and say yeah but it's not as nice as like the original version it's always go going back and forth and 
at some point I had to accept, you know, the limitations of the medium and also see how, you know, what are the advantages of the medium and how I can make those work for the piece and, and for my own, my own self, you know, to feel better about my work. And so, so yeah, that's all, you know, there's like a big, you have to let go. You have, I'm, that was my, my path, at least, you know, there was this moment where I just had to say, okay, you have to let go or you're not going to, you're not going to be able to do this work, you know, it's just like, and, and I think it's part of the creative process also, you know, there are moments where like, we're, we're attached to something that we've done and cause it works and, you know, we like it. And, and also the challenge of, ad of adapting something that already exists. And, and also, you know, that, that piece like exists for me since 2018 and I've played it a lot, like, and, and so I, I'm really attached to it. There's something really personal in it for me. And, and so, yeah, so, and it, you know, I think it's, it's, it's also like, as I was saying, part of the creative process, but also part of like the, the psychological process of, of an artist, maybe, you know, to like, to learn to move on. <laughs> Change a little, yeah. So definitely a great opportunity to you know when you're learning you meet new programs which which is inevitable when you're working with computers I think you know you really have to learn to adapt and and keep up to date you know not that you have to know all the programs but you know the tools allow you to do different things and, and change and evolve so yeah oh, I, I, I definitely think you're onto something I mean, as, as artists, we, we continuously build our toolboxes and that is definitely part of the process and an, an ongoing, an ongoing process, um, gaining new skills and, and, uh, exploring different approaches. Um, so yeah, definitely a collection that is just part of the artistic development, I think. Um, so France talking about challenges and on the other end, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you would say that you're bringing with you from this deep dive into <laughs> new unknown field, into extended reality, going onwards with your practice. What, yeah, what is lingering around that, that you're maintaining further? further? Uh, many things. I mean, first of all, I have to say I'm in awe of Lynn because Lynn took this on by herself. Like the other two projects, we have a partner. So we were able to discuss back and forth whatever limitations we were coming up against. Um, for me, uh, it's, it, it's going to boil down to the architecture of sound again, because I'm like the other limitation of the actual Oculus Quest itself is that, you know, below 140, 120, you won't hear anything. And I like bass. So uh, that's problem number one. Uh, and problem number two was that I could not import my sounds because they're too high resolution and the engine couldn't take it. So then you have to, as Lynn said, you have to make decisions and decide, okay, I can't do this, I can't do that. Will, you know, the Unreal Engine handle all this? And uh, I think mainly because Marcus decided that, no, he could not do it for his own personal artistic um, reasons. And that kind of pushed me to like, okay, well, why should I limit myself to this when I can maybe find other ways to do it. And so what, what I'm taking away from this 
uh, which is quite amazing, is that I'm now going to explore uh, binaural and ambisonic very heavily, uh, because that's actually what we're working on now for the project. But I'm going to take this out, and uh, my focus will return to an event that I used to produce in Montreal, and I'm going to re revive this event, and we're going to explore various modes of diffusion. I don't know how to say that in English. Yeah, presentation. Yeah, yeah, modes of presentation in terms of audio events. And so that's what I'm taking away from this experience. And the fact that I can work with Unreal if I start from scratch. <laughs> That that doesn't sound all that bad in terms of in terms of what what uh, is brought with you in in the backpack or in the toolbox in the artistic toolbox. Yeah, I don't know you, Lynn, about you, but do you feel more confident about your ability to troubleshoot things? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, it's going to maybe sound a little uh, I don't know conceited, but I've I've been in that motion, that state of mind, especially for the visual, because. Although we, we saw a little bit of visuals in my studies, I studied in music. And so I really was doing it all, you know, with like uh, tutorials. So I kind of developed that, uh, shit, how do I do this? You know, so um, Google's my friend, how to, how to, how to, how to. It is like time consuming. And it after, like when you really start a completely new uh, program, like I worked with Unity, the thing also about Unity is that it's different than other like graphic um, software. Sometimes like maybe you'll switch from different types of audio softwares. They kind of resemble themselves and they end up doing the same thing. But Unity and even Unreal, I believe is like more of a developer. And so there was that bigger of a, of a leap, you know, to, to or a mountain or to climb, you know, to, to start being able to, to like roam in, in the, or to work with the, the software. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think like I have developed a little bit more of, uh, of that, that, even though I was already, you know, that DIY mentality, you know, but, but I have to say like, we did also have support through, you know, we had like um, people that were helping us through the projects offered by new tech. So that really helped, you know, to at least get started and, and fly on our own, but, but yeah. What, what about you? I'm glad to hear that you're that you're reaping the fruits of 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 this exploration into unknown territory. That's that's really neat. Yeah. But I mean, we also had each other. I have to mention. I remember like one time, France. She decided that you know we should have like regular meetings, just because like we've and especially me, I'm doing it on my own, so I don't have like a someone to, to you know discuss and say, oh man, this is too much. I'm freaking out. So we started having like a regular meeting. Artist meetings. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, that support like, group. They really, they literally, literally a VR support group. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. There's, it, it's good to have someone to, to lean on to and that goes through a similar trajectory or a similar experience when, when diving deep into something like this. Well, thank you, France. Thank you, Lynn, for giving a short rundown of, of your work in this, in this collection, in this immersive collection. If I may add one thing, is that simply I don't think the three of us would have ever 
gone on to this adventure if we didn't have the support of Mutech to help us through it. So that's very important because I don't think we would have done this on our own <laughs> at all. Or it would have taken much longer. It's <laughs> <laughs> much, much longer. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, as Lola mentioned earlier in this episode, a third artwork is also part of the series produced by the duo Chloe Alexandra Thompson and Matthew Edwards under the title House of Moiré, which can also be enjoyed during the festival alongside the work of France Jobin and Lynn Cachot. You can read more about that on the Mutech Festival website. So catch them all at the same time during this year's Mutech Forum, where a presentation on the artworks will take place on Wednesday, 24th of August, that you can catch at Coeur des Sciences de Lucam, a day entirely dedicated to extended reality. <laughs>